Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Your host, Kevin Parker, your co-host, Scott Martin, here to recap the early signing day. Uh, we, we talked about a lot of the names already on Monday's show. A lot of the names that, realistically, we already knew were going to be part of the class. So if you missed that, make sure you go back and check it. We will definitely be talking about some of those guys again which of these guys we think could be instant impact guys. Uh, we'll, we'll mention some of the people we potentially missed out on. Uh, we'll get to all of that. We have some kind of general recruiting stuff too, that I think was interesting coming out of yesterday, but uh, Scott, as we sit here, it is Thursday morning. Most of the class uh, is finalized. The pen has been put to paper. Mel Tucker in his press conference said that, they're probably looking to fill in the cracks a little bit here uh, between now and I think July 1st is kind of the deadline for, for transfers. So depending on how many guys end up leaving uh, via the portal or via the NFL draft or, or whatever it is, um, it's not a hundred percent finalized. We'll still have some names drip in here, as you mentioned a little bit, but uh, most of the things are, are kind of settled in here, but it is Thursday morning. And uh, coming off of a very interesting day in the national side of things and on the Michigan State side of things. So how are we doing? Doing good. Coming off the heels of what I still can't decide is my favorite or absolute least favorite day on the college football calendar. I'm more on the least favorite side for sure. You know, that going into the day, you always think it's going to be fun. You always think it's going to be exciting. And then you get on Twitter or wherever on, you know, the day of at 8 a.m. And you look around and it's just a horror show of emotions. I mean, everybody's just airing it out there. Um, so notably yeah, I mean, it was fun Florida day. State fans. <laughs> Oof, down bad. I can I feel for them this morning. Um, quick, like disclaimer here. I went to bed fully assured that Keonta Goodwin was, was going to Kentucky, woke up. I saw there was a report by some, that new on three recruiting agency, basically one dude said, I think Michigan state's still a factor here until there's, there's pen to paper. We're going to record this with the understanding that Keonta Goodwin is set in his decision to Kentucky. Um, if anything happens to change, I give it like a 1% chance. If that of changing this morning, if it does just know, we recorded this before that happened, but I think he's probably gone. Um, Kevin, do we want to just, while we're on the topic, rip that bandaid off? Yeah, might as well. Um, you know, be- best of luck to him and, and making that decision. I, there's a lot of people responding to all of his tweets. We talked about it. I've never been that guy, even in a positive way. Like, you know, a lot of people are responding positively and, and, you know, I just have always thought it's a little weird, not my thing. So, um, you know, he's, he's going to have a hell of a career wherever he goes. He looks like that kind of kid and, and, uh, wish him the best of luck over at, uh, Kentucky, like you said, 99% chance that that ends up being the place, but you know, Hey, the Kentucky uh, Twitter account never, you know, posted his commitment. Um, you know, he's not up there on, on any of the sites as, as a, you know, signed player. So it's recruiting, man, anything can happen. We've seen that time and time again, these are our young kids making these decisions. So, uh, on, on one side, you certainly respect 
that part of it, that it is a young kid making an important decision. Um, and on the other side, you just kind of let it ride out and see what happens. Yeah. So, um, just a reaction to his decision, assuming it is final. Um, it's a bummer. You know, we, as Michigan state fans, it unfortunately feels like we've been on this side of that, uh, that coin a few times in both sports. Um, you know, it kind of brought up Jabari Parker. Yeah, I was just going to say Jabari folks. Parker. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's hard to get these guys that you're talking about top 50, top 30 recruits. They're blue chip recruits and all the best recruiters in the country, the best college football recruiters in the world are going head to head here. Kentucky was in his camp for, I think, seven years They They offered him when he was like 12 or 13 years old. Um, it's a tough, it's a tough one to pry away. You know, it speaks volumes that Michigan state got as close as they did with a competition like Alabama, like Michigan, like the other folks that were, were going after him. It, it still bodes well for the future for MSU just didn't, uh, didn't get this one to, to, to come home. So um, yeah, it's a and, bummer because it's a position of need, but, um, but I think we're still trending up and still looking good for the future. And on that note too, like some, I think uh, Stephen Brooks pointed this out we didn't have any negative flips. Like all the guys who were committed are, are committed right now. So we didn't lose anybody. You know, there was a couple of guys, of course, that we were hoping to gain notably Goodwin and, and Winfield and neither of them ended up happening. But at the end of the day, the class that we thought we had going into yesterday is, is pretty much the class we have coming out of yesterday. In addition, we added Caleb Coley, the cornerback who, according to the 24 seven composite is the sixth highest commitment in the class, a corner who I think could play right away. We'll get into some of those guys. Uh, we added Malcolm Jones, the safety out of Georgia, previously a Virginia tech commit and the, the Zion young, the defensive lineman out of Georgia. In addition to that, we solidified the transfer commitment of Chris Bogle from Florida. That's an edge rusher down there. So, you know, pretty much the class we had coming in, in addition to those guys, puts us right now. Uh, I was kind of just playing around with this thing. We are, in terms of strictly recruiting on the 24-7 composite, we are 21st in the country. And then if we add in the transfers, kind of a new feature on their website where they're given the grades for the transfers as well. If we kind of incorporate the, the transfers in, then it bumps us up to 19th in the country from 21st. So a top 20 class um, is, is pretty darn good here in year two with a couple guys that we think could make early impacts. Six players out of the state of Michigan. I think it's what, four out of the top 10 players in the state seven players out of Georgia. We had more players out of Georgia than we did even from Michigan, which is a really fertile recruiting ground down there. And clearly we got some relationships that are paying dividends. Love to see that. Um, and, and really a national class. I mean, I just kind of scrolling through some of the top guys, you got Michigan, California, uh, Georgia, Arizona, Florida, Indiana. I mean, these guys are coming from all over the place, Colorado, Texas. Uh, so that's, that's a really interesting wrinkle to this as well. It's, it's not necessarily that Mark D'Antonio, you know, Michigan and Ohio, and then kind of fill in the blanks everywhere else. This is really focused on everywhere else in addition to keeping the talent uh, in the state of Michigan at home. So uh, really interesting class. Uh, I think there's a lot of names here that are, are really exciting. A bunch of I don't know. I don't want to say lottery tickets, but you know, at the end of the day, I, I do, I am in the boat that you never know with high school kids. A lot of, a lot of people get way too confident about the projection of some of these kids moving forward. Like, man, it's, there's so many things that go into a good high school prospect becoming a good college player. And uh, you know, I'm, I've never been super confident in any of it, but there are a lot of guys who I think have that kind of upside and, and that kind of potential to be great college players, to be NFL players, you know, one day in the future, but you know, a lot of things have to go right. And it starts with, you know, the kids just kind of being willing to work for it. 
Uh, but even on top of that, you know, situation, even luck scheme, like there's so many different things that come into play that we don't really think about sometimes. So great class. Uh, I like everything that we put together, but uh, yeah, just kind of keep that in the back of your head that there's no such thing as a sure thing in high school recruiting. Yeah, I mean, people were making the comparison with Devontae Dobbs basically to say, you know, even when you get your guy, you never really know how it'll pan out. Obviously, the comparison there was with Goodwin in an offensive tackle. Um, yeah, it's it's fun to look at. And I wanted to make that note with the recruiting rankings, too. I saw a couple comments online of folks saying, you know, our, our rank is slipping. It's down to like 20, 21. And I'm like, it does not matter where you're ranked. I mean, we're, you know, in the same breath, the same folks are saying, well, you know, Darquez Denard was a two star corner. Right. And I'm like, OK, so which is it? You know, you can there's diamonds in the rough everywhere or you need to have the highest ranking possible. Um, I'm of the boat that stars matter but they don't matter all that much. I mean, you look at who brings in the best recruits every year and they're the best teams in the country. And those recruits more often than not turn into the best players in the country. So you need good players. And if you want to be an elite team, you need great players. And oftentimes the the guys at the top of the recruiting class are, but there's always outliers. There's always guys at the top of the class that end up being duds. And there's always guys at the bottom of the class that end up being great. So um, you need a mix of both. You got to find your, you know, your stable foundation of good players. And obviously whenever you find a diamond in the rough, it's just a little bit of gravy. Yeah. A couple rabbit holes that we're going to explore here, but first we got to get our message for the DraftKings Sportsbook, the best sports book on the planet earth. It's, it's confirmed and the NFL season's still chugging along. I think there's still like a quarter of the regular season left. And then we got playoffs. And in the college sphere here, we've got bowl games, and we'll get to our bowl pick them in a second. The link is in the bio. Click on it. Uh, but DraftKings, official sports betting partner of the NFL, you have a special promotion here through the Pigskin Podcast Network, of which we are a proud member. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets it is that simple. And if the sports book isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings daily fantasy sports contests. DraftKings is giving new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Bet $1 on any team to score. You win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code TPPN. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. So a couple rabbit holes we're going to come down here. We are going to definitely get to some of the Michigan State prospects again in this class and we have some guys who have announced that they will be enrolling early. Uh, we have some comments from Bell Tucker, uh, but a couple things that I want to mention here before we get to those guys uh, who we think could be immediate impacts and stuff like that. First of all, Scott, I, I want to get your take on this. The number one overall recruit in the country, uh, according to the 24 seven composite was committed to Florida state for ages and decided at the last second, Travis Hunter, uh, listed as a corner, I think he plays a receiver as well, is heading to Jackson State University in HBCU, coached by Deion Sanders, notably a Florida State alum. Uh, a lot of wrinkles to this, but uh, I, I'm really curious to, to get your take on, on what went down there on, uh, on the early signing day. It was awesome. Uh, I love it. I love the move for a few reasons. One, obviously, I think parity is great. Whenever you're not a fan of a top five or ten team, um, seeing parity across the recruiting landscape, I, I don't know how you could see it and, and react poorly to it. Um, but, yeah, I, I think this is awesome. Deion Sanders, 
fun to watch when he was a player fun to watch as a coach. Now his team obviously had a great season. I think it's certainly a gamble for the kid, but it's not my decision to make for him to, to have an opinion on what's best for him and his family and his future. Um, he's rumors make a lot are of money that, down there. Rumors are that he will be collecting uh, a pretty nice bag as, as he enters Jackson, Mississippi. So, um, you know, financial decision, we'll find out probably some details will 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 leak out here eventually but i saw one note and i think this is is a pretty good take that um his margin for error on the field shrinks right if you go down right. if you go to let's say florida state or alabama or clemson and you're you look like good not great you know, you can still get kind of a little bit of a waiver. Well, competition level's really high. You know, he's shown flashes. NFL guys might still take a chance on him. If you go down to Jackson State, you'll look good, not great. As the number one recruit in the country, you might really start to lose some stock at the next level. So his margin for error is bad. But listen, he's going to get the exposure. If the rumors are true and, and Barstool's paying him a million, two million plus to go make a documentary about you know, the program and him down at Jackson state, he's going to get plenty of eyes on him. People are going to be following his career because it's such a big story. They're going to want to see, okay, what does this kid look like? Um, So from an exposure standpoint, from a personal financial future standpoint, I think it all makes sense. It's just on the field. He's got to look good. The other side too. Well, first of all, I wanted to say with Jackson state uh, in the last couple of years, they've gotten a couple four-star guys last year. And they've had some transfers from other SEC schools, like former four-star players who transfer in. Like they have a, a pretty darn talented roster down there. It's pretty crazy. But you know, the other thing that I I really didn't see a lot of people talking about is the the reality in today's day and age that just because Travis Hunter committed to play at Jackson State doesn't mean he's gonna finish his college career at Jackson State. Like a, a bunch of people are talking about his you know, crushing his draft stock and stuff. I'm like, we just, we just saw Quinn Ewers, the quarterback go to Ohio state for one year, hit the portal and then head home to Texas. Like this could easily be a situation where he goes down to Jackson state for one year, does his, uh, you know, documentary thing, brings some publicity to the HBCU scene, which I think is really cool. Um, and then just heads back to Florida state. There's, I don't know if Florida state would welcome him with open arms. I'm sure they would. Um, but you know what I mean? Like it's, it's not that four year commitment anymore that it used to be. And, and, you know, a lot of people think that's, that's good. A lot of people think that's bad. Um, I'm more in the camp that it's good while I acknowledge that there are some potential downsides to it, but we were talking about that right before we started recording that when it comes to not just the individual players, but the teams. And we were talking about specifically with the quarterback position. Um, and, and we can kind of extend this to other spots as well, but like backup quarterbacks are dead, man, because, you know, Clemson going into this year, they had DJ Uyunglele, former five-star kid threw for like 500 yards against Notre Dame when Trevor Lawrence had COVID and, and we thought he was the next great thing. And so every backup quarterback at Clemson just transferred out because they're like, dude, I'm never going to play. This kid's a freshman and he's clearly the future of this program. And they came into this season with DJ Uyunglele as their starting quarterback and their backup was a walk-on. And so, you know, any quarterback specifically, because that's one of those positions where one guy plays and if he plays well, that's it. You know, there's no rotation. There's no way to get other guys on the field, like at a receiver, defensive lineman, where you can rotate guys in pretty often. And it it just creates a situation where the parity still isn't there in the recruiting game and probably never will be realistically. That's just not how recruiting in college football has ever gone in the history of the sport. But the transfer portal really brings an interesting wrinkle to potential parity because you're seeing guys like, um, was it Jaden Hazelwood, uh, the the former like number one overall receiver in the class? He's heading to Arkansas after not really panning out at at Oklahoma for a year or two. Like a lot of these schools are now getting like blue chip players 
who normally wouldn't be able to get them. And whether that's, we just saw like Spencer Rattler go to South Carolina. Like I I'm not a huge fan of Spencer Rattler's game, but from like arm talent wise and like physical traits, that's not a, a quarterback that South Carolina is typically able to get their hands on. Uh, but he goes to a school, doesn't pan out. The younger guy ends up getting the playing time over him and he just decides, all right, I'm heading out. Uh, and, and some of these mid tier schools, like, I don't want to say lower tier schools, mid tier South Carolina's your Missouri's your Kentucky's your, um, you know, I, I'll throw in like, and you, you mentioned before, like Iowa state, a Wisconsin, like these kind of schools can now get their hands on kids that they never would dream of getting their hands on in the recruiting world. So that right. brings a really interesting wrinkle to all of this and, and potentially, you know, again, we're talking about Travis Hunter, like maybe in two years, he's right back into the portal. And all of a sudden his recruitment opens up as a former number one overall player with all the traits in the world. So the portal, man, it's, it's here to stay. And it's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, to bring it back to Michigan state, you look at a guy like Chris Bogle, who, I mean, he's not in the echelon of guys that you were just talking about, you know, top of their class, but he was 71st overall out of Fort Lauderdale um back in the 2019 class uh probably not a guy Michigan State's pulling out of there at least not in the last few years and now he's a Michigan State Spartan um it's the same thing you know it's it's the type of guy we wouldn't typically see on our roster and and here he is um you know he still I mean he's he doesn't look like the player I think Florida was hoping he was and obviously that's why he's he's moving to greener pastures um but still relatively productive player and uh he'll be on Michigan State's roster this coming year so I love it I think it certainly bodes well like you said for those kind of tier two teams at least not tier 1a teams who you know are sitting in the wings trying to break through and and Maybe they can't break through in recruiting. Maybe they can break through in the transfer portal. I think it. I, I love it. Obviously, considering our coach has has embraced it wholeheartedly, it's easier to love as well. It'd be frustrating if Mark D'Antonio was still our coach because you could. I can guarantee you, he's not going to be pulling the same kind of transfers that right. that Mel Tucker is right now. So, um, yeah, it's 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 exciting. It's exciting to have a coach that embraces it, um, and I think it's good for the sport. There are downsides, absolutely, uh, but to people like Dabo Swinney who think, <laughs> you know, well, now the everyone's last focus is on education, and you know, this just allows Dabo, adults to take advantage of young 50 men. Years, <laughs> like Dabo, if you don't, if you want the focus on education, and you don't want any opportunity for you know coaches to be taking advantage of these young men you're in the wrong industry I hate to say it like that it sounds super cynical but this has been going on for the last hundred years in this sport so was it welcome Jim, to the show Jimbo Fisher had a great quote about somebody who was asking him about NIL and how it's changed the game and recruiting and stuff and he he just said straight up he's like guys, NIL has been going on forever. It just wasn't talked about <laughs> like all these things that are opening up now, like, come on, you know, we, we all knew yeah. what's been, it's like when uh, all the scandals started popping up with like the FBI investigations into college basketball and, you know, Yahoo was putting these reports out and it was like shocking to these reporters and journalists that nobody cared. They're like, how is nobody talking? It's like, cause we know all of this has been going on for forever. We're not idiots. Like you're not uncovering something we didn't already know. D nobody cares about it. So a kid gets a couple right. bucks to come play for the school. Like we don't care. <laughs> like, it's fine. I mean, it, it gets to like this routine of like, Oh, they got caught. Give them their sanctions, turn the page, you know, right. because there's no, yeah, there's no, there's no shock factor. There's no shock and awe. It's like, Oh, well, somebody looked in the right place and found what they were looking for. Okay. Right. Um, that school didn't cover their tracks. They're idiots. They should get punished. Like not because they paid the players. It's because they were idiots and didn't, you know, make sure that their, uh, their tracks were covered up. So. And to the folks that think, you know, well, NIL is degrading this. They think there's downsides. Listen, there's, there's upsides and downsides to any change. Um, but 
at the end of the day, it's the right thing to do to pay these players for the value they're generating for these, or, or to give them the opportunity to, to profit from the value they're generating for this industry and for their schools. And if there's negative repercussions to that, so be it. They're doing the right thing, allowing these players to capitalize on their talent. And, you know, if the, if the ship has to rewrite itself in some ways, then so be it for doing the right thing. Um, you know, just because the system was broken in the first place doesn't mean we shouldn't deal with the repercussions after we fix it. So um, NIL, it certainly adds huge wrinkles. It's, we're a long way from seeing how it kind of stabilizes long-term. We're seeing new ways to take advantage of it legally and probably illegally all the time. Uh, I think there'll be new regulations as the NCAA kind of gets a grasp on uh, what it's going to look like and how folks are trying to take advantage of it. But for now, it's going to be kind of chaotic. And you know what, if Davos Swinney wants to scream from his throne because his power is shrinking a little bit, then I'll just sit here and laugh. Yeah. And I, th- I think at a certain point it will kind of stabilize itself. R- like the, the um, Quinn Ewers is like the perfect story of like, there's going to be a time where these people are a little bit more hesitant. You know, the, I'll just use a a blanket example of like the local car dealership who's willing to shell out a couple thousand bucks and a couple cars, like to a high school kid. Now with the portal, like they're going to be like, eh, maybe let's wait a year until you're on campus. You've established yourself here and then we'll give you a couple thousand dollars in a car. But I don't want my investment to just blankly go to waste. So that's interesting, but I I don't know, like the portal thing I I think is, is fun because like I kind of said it earlier, but I want to just kind of get one more point. Like it's not just, you know, Alabama for probably until Nick Saban retires, they're going to have the most talented starting lineup in the country and Georgia will be right behind them. And Ohio state will be right behind them. The, the interesting side, and, and if you're looking for parity and continued parity, is these guys are losing depth pretty quickly. And so, you know, when you're down, you don't really have a great backup quarterback. Your third running back is, you know, somebody who you, you don't really feel fits that kind of Alabama standards because the other guys have transferred out. Uh, you're you know, your fifth receiver is, is not as good as you would like him to be your backup offensive linemen all, all went to go start other places. Like all of a sudden one or two injuries really can, can shock one of those teams into losing one or two games that they normally don't. So yeah, if you're looking for parity, the, the portal is, is I think the clearest path to that. I I don't think it's going to be through recruiting. I I think it's going to be through the portal and just kind of crushing the depth of some of these guys. Like, as as good of a recruiter as Nick Saban is, and and that goes to say for like high school kids and transfer kids and recruiting his own roster, um, it's really hard to to recruit the sixth defensive end on your team to stick around for another two years, and just hey wait wait until these guys retire and you're going to be a starter by your junior year, like that's a really hard thing to do nowadays, and a lot of those kids are going to head out so. Yeah, the depth of these big schools is is really being tested in, in an interesting way that we haven't seen before. And it's bringing up interesting ways to manage your talent. And I think this is one of the other things we wanted to touch on. So yeah. to bring it back to the state of Michigan, this year we saw J.J. McCarthy, true freshman at Michigan, quarterback coming in. And Cade McNamara, Jim Harbaugh was very clear that Cade McNamara was their starting quarterback. But they wanted to get JJ McCarthy involved. And as much as I, you know, love to make jokes about Jim Harbaugh and the job he's done and the guy that he seems to be, um, I think he did a pretty good job managing JJ McCarthy. I think he put him in a couple situations that maybe were a bit too much, too much pressure um, or just too much riding on it. Obviously the fumble against Michigan state was a huge play in their season and in our season, but and we're going to come into a similar situation here. I think with Kate Hauser, you can't bring a guy like JJ McCarthy in and tell him, all right, bide your time and watch film, hit the weight room, get used to the playbook for the next two or three years. And your time will come because a guy like that with talent like that, and that's just not just quarterbacks, but at any position a guy like that's going to find a place to, to get involved right away. So 
this is a way that the sport is evolving. It's a new challenge for coaches. And I think we're going to run into it too. Like I said, how do we manage with Peyton Thorne has three years of eligibility left. Uh, He could certainly continue to develop and leave after, you know, two years from now, next year with an outstanding season for the NFL. But I think more than likely he'll be around for at least two years, if not the next three. And how do you mix in a talent like Kate Hauser, who is going to be ready to play likely long before three years from now, um, going into his redshirt junior season. And so there's a couple factors here. One is how do you get him involved early or how do you get talent like that involved early, especially at a, a position like quarterback. And I forgot my second point, but Kevin, I'll throw it <laughs> over to you. How do you get Kate and Hauser involved? How would you manage that kind of talent as a coach? It's uh, yeah. Like you said, it's really tricky. And Jim Harbaugh somehow found a way to his credit to kind of make that situation work. Um, I don't, I, I really don't have an answer because I've never been a, a fan of the two quarterback system. I, you know, I've been, you know, there's the, the expression in football that if you have two quarterbacks, that means you have zero quarterbacks. And I've, I've always kind of believed that I, I think it's really hard to, cause the quarterback has to be that full locked in leader of the offense and leader of the team. I think it's really hard when, when the team doesn't really know who to follow and who to lead. Um, but with that said, I mean, you know, like you said, the whole landscape of this thing's changing. Um, I think at the end of the day, you just have to make sure that Kate Hauser knows and, and not just in a superficial way, but in a legitimate way that if he continues to, to impress in practice and in his limited times on the field, like, and, and Mel Tucker has shown this through the way that he brings in people. Like we talked about how the first two guys he brought in were through the portal were linebackers and Michigan state fans were kind of thrown off guard a little bit because we're like, huh, we thought we were pretty good at the linebacker position, but Mel Tucker made it pretty clear that like, just because you have a, a guy who's starting there and has done pretty well, doesn't mean that that position's perfect. We can always upgrade and we're always looking to upgrade every spot. So you have to be genuine and and not just saying this, but be genuine in the fact that like, Hey, if you come out and show us you're the best quarterback, you'll play. No, quite. I don't care if, if Peyton Thorne's been the starter for the last three seasons, if you're better than him, you're going to play. And I think that's just how you have to, you have to foster this environment of total competition and, and you have to show it through, through example. It can't just be talk. You, you got to start playing, freshmen that you think are talented over experienced guys that you think aren't and and you know Mel Tucker has already shown that Angelo Gross I think surprised a lot of people starting a lot of games in 2020 uh Chuck Brantley surprised a lot of people by starting and and playing you know really high impact minutes uh as as a freshman here uh this year so like he's 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 walking the walk. And I think that's kind of the Avenue you have to go with it of, of just kind of every day, every position, there's a competition. And, and if the players believe that, then you, you start seeing a backup quarterback that sticks around because he genuinely believes like the day that I'm better than, than Peyton, I will start. And the coach has, has been pretty clear in that message. That's kind of the best I can do. Cause I, I really don't like the QB system. I, I respect that, you know, Jim Harbaugh kind of has to do it that way because JJ is going to leave if he doesn't see the playing time, but it's, it's tricky. Yeah. I mean, I think at at the quarterback position, the reality is every year you're going to have basically a quarterback free agency. Um, You're already seeing it this year. You've got Spencer Rattler. You've got uh, Dylan Gabriel. You've got all kinds of guys in the, I think there's like 10 borderline blue chip transfer quarterbacks already in the portal this season um and, and, and that's most of be them the have even of it. played and started for their previous schools like it's it's crazy right adrian martinez a guy that we're very familiar with and has been the clear starter at nebraska for a long time bo nix from auburn um i mean a lot of these dudes have their their top tier recruits even medium to high tier quarterbacks you know, in their play at their school who are looking for new homes. And I think that's going to be the reality. 
I mean, it's interesting from a fan's perspective, right? Because let's say next, let's say this season, Peyton Thorne comes out and gives you what he gave you this year. Another good borderline great season, but you know, he's not lighting the world on fire nationally or anything. And Caton Hauser, you know, he comes in on some sub packages like JJ McCarthy does what he needs to show some high potential. And then next off season, we're right back in a quarterback controversy, quarterback battle. Um, and you've got a guy like Peyton Thorne, who in the D'Antonio mentality has put in his time, has given a lot to the program. He's been the guy, great leader. Um, but in the new Mel Tucker mentality, well, Caton Hauser shows higher upside. Peyton Thorne, we think, has kind of reached his, his ceiling. He's plateaued. He, we know what he is. But we know maybe, depending on where the team's at, we need to elevate our play to get where we want to go at that position. And it's going to be pretty upsetting. And I'm not saying this is going to happen with Peyton Thorne and, and Caton Hauser, but in the event that Caton Hauser takes the job and Peyton Thorne, let's say he transfers out, there's going to be some seriously upset fans in a scenario like that. And it will happen someday at Michigan state, whether it's quarterback, whether it's next year or, or another scenario, it will happen. And it's going to be something to get used to. Um, but Mel Tucker's made it very clear. And I think one of the things that a lot of these recruits have been saying is how much Mel Tucker, how honest he is, you know, mm-hmm. he sits down and it's very clear. He sits with these guys and he says the best players play and you come in and you have to prove yourself every single day, every single snap in practice and games, you have to continue to prove yourself. And if you take your foot off the gas, we are going to have to make decisions to, to put the best team on the field that we can. And that's resonating with guys because that's what a lot of programs are doing, but it's not what every program is saying they're doing. And Mel Tucker's being very clear. He's sitting with them and he's saying, I don't care if you're a freshman. I don't care if you're a transfer from division seven. I don't think that exists, but if you're the best player, you're going to be on the field. And I don't care if you're a five-star recruit. I don't care if you're transferring in from Alabama. I don't care if you've been our starter for the last three and a half years. If you are not living up to our expectations, you're not going to be playing anymore. And he's shown it, like you said, with a few younger guys, we're going to see it again this year. We'll talk about, um, Actually, maybe this is a good time to dive into who we think can can jump on the field this season. We've got a, a class of 11 guys, uh, including the new transfers that are going to be on campus next month, uh, all the way through conditioning, off-season conditioning, all the way through spring practice, obviously into the regular uh, fall camp. And, and some of these guys, I think, definitely have the potential to make a splash uh, next fall. Yeah, so you've got quarterback Caton Hauser, tight end Jack Nickel, Defensive tackle, Alex Van Sumeren, uh, linebackers, Jacoby Winmond, uh, Winmond, uh, transfer from UNLV. Uh, did, did we get a pronunciation check on Brule or Brule? Uh, We're going to go Mississippi, with Brule for from now. Mississippi I... State. Um, <laughs> cornerbacks, Caleb Coley and Aid Willie. Safeties, Jaden Mangum and Dylan Tatum. And running back, uh, Berger from Wisconsin. And also, uh, my favorite part of this is Steven Brooks put out this tweet with the early enrollees and Chase Carter just responded to him with like the little wavy hand emoji, like me too. <laughs> so Chase Carter defensive end joining that group. So notably only what three of those guys are on the offensive side of the ball, the rest of them on the defensive side of the ball, where I think most people would agree we need that early impact four of them defensive backs where we definitely need that early impact. Um, I want to, I want to focus my attention real quick on two guys, Caleb Coley, Jaden Mangum of this group, Jaden Mangum. I, we kind of brought him up on Monday as a guy who I thought of all of these players could be one to make an immediate impact him as a, as a safety, I think is really interesting because we've brought in a lot of guys. We've talked about this a lot off the air and a little bit on the air is we've brought a lot of safeties in the last couple of years that all kind of fit a similar mold. It's the Xavier Henderson, the Darius snow, now Dylan Tatum. They kind of fill that similar. Like I could see them playing a lot in the box, in the nickel kind of, you know, play really well near the line of scrimmage, good tacklers, but don't have that kind of elite range speed 
um, to play free safety. I think Jaden Mangum has that kind of range and explosiveness. And I could see a world. I, I texted you about this last night where if Xavier Henderson leaves, which we still have no word on, I could see a world where Darius snow fills uh, Xavier Henderson's role at strong safety. And uh, Angelo gross goes from playing the free safety, which he did last year back to the nickel spot where he played in 2020. And I thought looked a lot better and more comfortable. And then Jaden Mangum fills that free safety spot and is able to kind of play that single high, you know, rangy explosive type of role. So I, I really like that fit at safety and then Caleb Coley, I think he's, he's the best corner in this, in this group uh, of, of new arrivals for Michigan State. He's got the type of athleticism and physicality to play right away at a position that we desperately need people to play right away. So those were two guys I kind of circled as we could see these guys on the field from week one next year. Yeah, I, I think the safety position, uh, there's two positions I think we're we're set on for the next few years, assuming, you know, most of these guys stick around and that's safeties, all three of our safety positions, nickel box safety and, and free safety and wide receiver. Um, we missed out obviously on um, Winfield, which was an interesting recruitment that seemed to change almost by the hour yesterday. Uh, but when you look at those two positions in the, the guys that we're bringing in, the guys we already have, it's going to be fun to watch how it all plays out. Um, you know, in this class, obviously at wide receiver, we brought in Tyrell Henry, Duran Glover, Antonio Gates, Mangum can play both ways, but I think he's going to be a safety. Um, yeah, I think Jaden Mangum right from the start is going to be pushing that free safety position. Even if Xavier Henderson sticks around, I love Angelo Gross. I love his game, but I don't think his game translated particularly well to that position. And even if there's not a spot to move him to down at, you know, nickel, if Darius Snow's still down there, I'm not so sure Mangum doesn't give him a run from his, for his money right off the bat. Um, so that's definitely one to watch. Caleb Coley will be in the mix. He'll be in the rotation year one, whether he's starting or not. It's yet to, yet to be seen. I think everybody on the roster right now has their upsides and has their downsides. And I don't think that position is, is secured at all. I wouldn't be surprised if we brought in a, a transfer corner as well to, to add more depth to that position. A guy I'm really interested to see how they start to integrate him is Dylan Tatum, a very versatile guy, not so much the safety uh, wide receiver mold that some of these guys are, but a safety running back coming out of, high school he was recruited at both positions by various programs he's going to be a defensive player primarily I think at Michigan State that's pretty clear but you know I made the comparison to you in a text yesterday even though I you know maybe don't want to bring it up but Jabril Peppers played a very similar style of football he's good with the ball in his hands he's good on the defensive side very athletic kind of just a Swiss army knife kind of guy and I think you could see Dylan Tatum come in as like a wildcat come in running end arounds jet sweeps uh as a return man i think there's a lot of guys in this class that actually could be pretty strong return men dylan tatum Jaden mangum um tyrell henry quite a few guys i could see with that explosive open field ability with the ball in their hands so again we have a lot of safeties we have kind of a log jam at safety so i think it's going to be really hard for dylan tatum to 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 find an opportunity to, to be a starter. Obviously anything can happen. We mentioned the best players are going to play, but just at his positions, there's a lot of talented guys, but I think you do see him in some sub packages on both sides of the ball as a freshman special teams. He'll certainly be involved as well. Um, Kevin Dylan Tatum, any thoughts on, on where he'll be? I think, it, you know, the, they brought up the idea of him playing both ways a little bit, which, which I think is exciting, but he's, he's a really talented player. I, I wanted to bring up two. So we got a couple minutes here, Mel Tucker in his press conference. He, I was listening to him and, you know, he kind of uses that language where he's not going to say a guy is developmental or something. He's going to use these, this kind of other, he's a high upside guy or something. Right. But there were a couple guys that he really, 
pretty clearly and obviously said are potential immediate impact guys using those words. And a couple of them surprised me a little bit. One of them was a safety and it, it wasn't any of the guys we've talked about. It was Malik Spencer out of Buford, Georgia, um, 6'2", 193, rated like in the 600s nationally, not really a guy that, you know, came up all the time as like, you know, this is one of the impact guys early on. Uh, Mel Tucker used those words to describe uh, Malik Spencer. He said he loves football. He's looking for contact all, of the, all the time, and he could make an immediate impact. Another guy that, that really caught me off guard a little bit um, was Zion Young, the, the incoming kid from uh, from previously West Virginia, not rated nationally. Uh, one of what, like four guys in this class that weren't even ranked, uh, in, in terms of, you know, the overall board. So to see him come in and, and be such a priority for them to make sure to flip him. And then to Mel Tucker to talk about him as an in, instant impact guy was really surprising. Uh, and the other one was offensive lineman, offensive tackle, Braden Miller, out of Colorado ranked 980 overall in the class. Like again, another guy that I think people just kind of saw, well, he's a big offensive lineman, probably develop in a couple of years and see what happens. Uh, Mel Tucker very clearly said, you know, he talked about every one of these offensive linemen and he was the only one that he used those words of immediate impact can help immediately. So that, that really caught me off guard. I think all of the transfer guys, he mentioned it. And I think that's pretty obvious that like, you know, these guys are transferring in with pretty established resumes and and they kind of know what their role is going to be more or less. But of the freshmen, those were the ones that Mel Tucker mentioned. And, and most of those really caught me off guard. I don't know about you. Yeah. I mean, a couple of them were positions of need. And I think that certainly plays into this. You look at defensive end and offensive tackle with our depth there and the guys that we're losing and just the performance of the guys who are staying uh, last year, I think you walk into spring ball and you say, we got open positions, we've got open snaps, come and take them. I mean, certainly, as we mentioned, they're going to be doing that to an extent at every position. But, you know, you've got guys where you know they're going to be seeing the field at those positions. I think you walk in and you say, back to square one, nobody's earned anything, and show us what you got. And we're going to need help, a lot of help at both of those positions um, tackle is an interesting position. Jarrett Horst, technically, I think I was looking this up yesterday, I think has another year of eligibility, um, but had a weird finish to this year with injuries and, and otherwise, and I haven't really heard a lot of chatter. We might need new two, two new offensive tackles. We certainly need two new starting defensive ends. And, um, yeah, we brought in what two offensive tackles in Lepo and Miller, and we brought in three I believe defensive ends recruits and another in the portal along with a couple linebackers we hope can can add to the pass rush so yeah I think maybe it's just the need at those positions and someone's going to have to make an impact someone's going to have to be on the field at those positions and and maybe that's what's playing into it but yeah Braden Miller I mean hardly a top thousand recruit. So if you're one of those folks who just stares at recruiting rankings, he's certainly not the first name to jump off the page, a quiet recruitment, uh, kind of a, a holdover recruitment from Mel Tucker's Colorado days, Chris Kapilovich and Mel Tucker were involved with him uh, back when they were at Colorado coming out of the Denver area. So um, I mean, I think this is one of the most fun parts of covering and watching college football is seeing where these, uh, careers start and where they finish and and in the era of um the transfer portal nil everything else that we're seeing shaking up the the landscape it's only getting more fun to watch and and you always hope your team takes advantage of it i think so far we we have um and uh this is just another fun class to watch yeah so on that note uh, we got to get out of here, but I hope everybody enjoyed the episode here. We'll, we'll continue talking about recruiting throughout the quote unquote off season with Mel Tucker. It, it feels like we don't really have an off season anymore, which is good for us because it gives us stuff to, to constantly be talking about. So um, we will continue to talk about this. This won't be the last time that we mention these guys by any means. So 
Um, obviously, if you're interested in recruiting, stay tuned with us. If you're not interested, uh, we, we talk about basically everything involving Michigan State football because we are a Michigan State football podcast. We're also a college football podcast, and we want you to join our Bowl Pick'em. So if you haven't already, the link is right there in the episode notes. Just click on, click on the episode. <clears throat> there is a Bowl Pick'em. We're just doing straight-up picks. Um, picking who is going to win the game, not nothing, you know, crazy with the spreads or with the, you know, uh, what do they call it? The confidence picks or whatever. It's just very simple. Um, who's going to win the deadline is the start of the first game, which, uh, is Friday night, Friday at 6 PM is the Bahamas bowl between middle Tennessee and the Toledo rockets. So make sure you get everything in or no, Friday, sorry, Friday at noon, um, is that Bahamas bowl. So make sure you get everything in before then. And just, like I said, the link is right there in the episode. So just click on that. It's also pinned to my Twitter. So if you go to standing room MSU, it's the pinned tweet there. It'll be right there at the top. If you want to join in on a bowl, pick them for, for some fun, free to join. And uh, the prize we've until we think of something better again, uh, we will keep, keep you posted on Twitter. If, if any other ideas pop into our head, but um, you can join us on the podcast sometime this off season uh, for the episode of your choosing, as well as the ability to, if you're not super comfortable joining us on the microphone, you can give us the template for an off season episode, what you want us to talk about. We will do a whole episode about it. And to our friend who, who re- recommended us the, the Shrek episode after March Madness, we will, we promise we will do that. Um, and we will, I'll, I'll go back in my DMS cause I don't have it in front of me who it was right now, but I'll make sure to let you know when that is fulfilled. Sorry. It took so long. We are, we have not been men of our words to this point, but we promise, uh, we will, we will make sure that we get that done. So with all of that said, Scott, anything else last second here before we hit head out? Well, anything can happen. And this recruiting class is not finished till February. So we'll, I'm sure there'll be new headlines, whether it's guys we're aware of now or guys that uh, we have never heard of until, until their names start to pop up. So um, yeah, stay tuned. We'll cover it all as we get through the off season, but um, another good class, excited to see it and excited to uh, move back towards attention on the peach bowl which is coming up very soon very exciting obviously don't lose sight of the fact that we are in a new year six bowl and uh, we'll continue to cover that next week and shout out urban meyer for getting fired like 13 weeks into his nfl career uh let's get out of here i hope everybody has a good rest of your week and uh, we will definitely see you before christmas if you have any ideas for like a christmas themed episode or something or any christmas themed segments send us a dm i'm open to it uh we have some ideas up our sleeves as well so have a good week we will talk to you guys soon go green go white take care folks